Hello and welcome to Mums Work and Chaos with me, Louise. They say it takes a village to raise a child, so let me help you build yours. During this journey, I'll be learning about everything from neurodiversity in children's literature through to body image post-pregnancy. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum's Work in Chaos with me, Louise, and my wonderful friend Tash, um, who is the owner of the amazing Chicken and Frog bookshop in Brentwood. So, um, Tash, would you like to tell us a bit more about yourself? Ooh, where do I begin? Um, yeah, so I was a primary school teacher for 19 years. I don't think I am uh, and, and I loved it, but the dream had always been to open a bookshop. Yeah, with my husband, and um, and we did. So that was ten years ago. We opened Chicken and Frog, and it was more like a, a book cupboard, really, wasn't it? It was tiny, yeah, really, really little. And then we moved in January twenty twenty. Yes, that's right, <laughs> January twenty twenty, just before lockdown. Hold on, um, but we moved to much bigger premises and a really nice. And, road where we can do stuff outside as well yeah um I still get to teach there which is great so I get to do all the bits of teaching that I fell in love with teaching I don't do Ofsted <laughs> um don't teach children that I don't think are right for us yes I have to say that's very rare that is very rare but it is you know it's nice to have that freedom and and really the the main thing for us when we set up the bookshop is that we wanted to create a really safe welcoming space for readers, but also for people that aren't readers, but maybe want to be and feel a bit nervous because I have always read. I was a big book nerd. Always went to the library. In hindsight, I think my parents dropped us off at Loughton Library because it was free and um, they got a couple <laughs> of hours off. But as a kid, I thought it was amazing. Um, but for some people that aren't readers that want their kids to read, that can be really daunting to walk into a library or a bookshop yeah. and not know what they're looking for. So we've got a sofa, we've got armchairs, it's a very chilled space that people can just kind of explore and ask questions. And we found that you know, we've made so many friends that we wouldn't have made through the bookshop that are now, they're not just customers. That's in a way kind of how we met though, wasn't it? So yeah. we were both like on Twitter, yeah. both come across the Brentwood tweet up. I was new to the area. Yeah. You were starting to open your bookshop and looking at the, all of that. And that's where we met, the Brentwood yeah. Tweet Up. And honestly, if it wasn't for that, we probably would, well, we probably would have met eventually, yeah, but maybe. maybe not in the same way. No, this is a bit, it's been amazing. I feel like it's a real, um, it's such a privilege to be part of the community and part of the wider community. I mean, even things like when it's a new school year in September, we have children that come to us and that's their safe place when they're not quite ready to walk the way home yet. Yeah, I'll, I'll go to Chicken and Frog and we'll pick you up. That's amazing. What a privilege to be able to. That's so cool to do that. You know, so yeah, I love it. So it's started off as a children's bookshop, and now we've got an adults, not adults, <laughs> adults room, and um, where well, I have room. sat many a time. Yeah, there's a couple of armchairs in there. It's very quiet and peaceful, and then we've got kind of. Um, connecting space with our neurodiversity section because we've always stopped those books but they've just just been around and then a couple of people went where's your section and we were like oh <laughs> we have a 
section. Ding, ding, ding. And <laughs> um, so utilise that space. But it's been really, really cool to have it all together and people really enjoy yeah. that. Again, it's just an easy way for people to navigate things. And sometimes people don't want to ask questions. It's quite a private thing sometimes, choosing a book for yourself, yeah. which sounds really odd, but it really is. Um, so to be able to just kind of navigate the shop for yourself and go, oh, that's where I need to be. I think it's a really funny thing, though, like like you said choosing a book is quite personal I used to find um I used to read a lot of Terry Pratchett books he was my escape I could live in that world I was in the disc world and that was it as soon as I opened that book and started reading I was part of Ankh-Morpork I could be anyone I wanted to be if I wanted to be in the Assassin's Guild that day sure I was and that's the thing is like as I got older, sitting there on the train on the way to work, reading one of those books, I always felt a bit judged, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I'm not reading <laughs> so-and-so's memoirs or whatever. <laughs> but, but that's the thing was, like, they're, they're, they become almost like fashion items sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, whose book are you reading? Are you reading this latest thing? And I think when you found your niche and the thing that you enjoy, as you get older as well I think yeah. you get less worried and concerned about what oh, people yeah. think but <laughs> what people think and just we just we stock stuff that we're passionate about we hand sell a lot because it's an independent shop so we only stock the things that we like um and yeah we hand sell and, and you know there are some people that don't like what we sell that don't come to chicken and frog <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're there to represent people and you know all different people from different walks of life from different abilities and, and everything and um I think we're doing a pretty good job I but, love it though but I mean even when you were in the cupboard you yeah, know it was, it, was it was a beautiful cupboard and it was such a lovely shop to just walk into and I when I was on maternity leave with us though I used to come quite a lot because yes. I just needed to get out <laughs> I needed somewhere safe where I could go and have a cup of tea with my friend <laughs> us that could sit there coloring and I just knew it was going to be a great space to sit in and that's the thing is that like knowing you've got that safe space to hang out even if it is just coloring in or reorganizing the bookmarks or whatever you want to do but yes but as well as doing you know the tuition and selling the books and Mm -hmm. all of the other stuff the author days and things like that as well you also run the community events yeah um during like half term and stuff as well and we do those we run four different book clubs creative writing club then we hope we there's uh, kind of the communal space if you like like the classroom space yeah it's a classroom in the evening but it's also we've got like a breastfeeding support group that use it we run um a group for (laughs) dogs joining in um we run a session for retired people just to come and hang out and have a cup of tea and a biscuit yeah we're just about to start our latest group which i'm super excited about is a neurodiversity group for teens and young adults you can't wait and it's just again it's just a safe place for them to come and hang out and there's a kind of branch off of that we started a private facebook group as well um, okay. that you can only come by invitation so you can't find it if you look for it yeah because we don't want anyone no being silly on there but um because <laughs> you know some people are being silly so yeah we do low we just do loads and loads of things being a bookseller being an independent bookseller is so much more than just turning up selling some books and going home there's yeah. so much and you know connecting with the community is a massive part of what we do and kind of adapting to what the community needs so we run a 
um, like a coffee evening for parents of autistic children already. And which kind of talks about doing maybe a group for younger people too, and then it never really happened. And then they had a massive event last Friday with Chloe Hayden, um, who's just fantastic. Yeah. It was so good. Um, it did look brilliant. It was just fantastic. And as a result of that, a couple of people were like, oh, we really love what you do here. It's a really safe space. And we noticed that people that had never met, and there was a lot of anxiety in the room that night, yeah. reasons, started talking to each other. And we were like, we need to do something to support this. Yeah. So that's... The Facebook page bit came first because lots of people came from miles. I mean, oh, wow. miles, four hour drive away to God. come to meet Chloe, which was awesome. And then someone else said, We'd really nice if you did a group like we do for the parents, but for us. And I just thought, well, why not? Give it a try. So it's not, you know, it's not going to be, uh, you should do this and you should do that. None of our groups are like that anyway. It's just a safe place to meet. And we might have people come and give a little bit of an informal talk sometimes. We might not. We'll just kind of see how it goes. That's amazing. And you also do like sensory rhyme time and stuff like that as well for the little ones. Yeah, for the little ones. And we do one for adults as well. So it's not rhyme time, cool. but we, we change our room into a sensory room and we've got some adults with quite complex additional needs. And they come once a week as well just to hang out with their one to one carers and play with play doh and do a bit of colouring, have a bit of chat. It's pretty nice. It sounds like something I might need. <laughs> no, do you know what? One year, I can't remember what year it was, but we did something. It was one of the community days that we were doing in the street, and the class, the classroom space had been set up for an indoor disco, as you do. Um, and then the disco had finished, and we did have parents going, "Oh, do you know what? Can I just go and sit in there?" And like, "Yeah, go on then." They loved it. We got fluffy cushions. Fairy lights, bubble tubes with fish in it. It's like, I do often think we should just do an evening where it's just like almost like a parent crash. So, part of the reason I wanted to get you on was to talk about really the subject of your PhD. Yes. <laughs> so can you tell me a bit more about that? I can. So, in a moment of madness, I don't even know where my brain was. I, so, I've always been very interested in, obviously, in books. That's one thing. Yeah. And then also in autism and neurodiversity generally, for a couple of reasons, really. I think all of the schools that I worked in were, they weren't specialist schools, but I taught a lot in Newham and then I taught in Harlow for a bit and then I did behaviour support in Basildon, been around. And <laughs> I always came across children who are autistic and I find that fascinating. Um, and our middly Holly is autistic she's undiagnosed at the moment she's 21 she's just going through that process but we've known since she was pretty little um and she just she chose not to go through the process but so it's always been on our radar and something we're interested in and then I started to notice that there are more and more books coming out especially for the younger children picture books with autistic characters in mm. and some of them are amazing and some of them are not um and those ones make me a little bit itchy so I started you know I've been talking to publishers and our reps and all of that and just saying you know partly yeah this is amazing and also partly what is this um (laughs) this is what what this is way terrible yeah no um and it just grew from there really so I decided in my infinite wisdom do you know what I should do I should do a PhD on it (laughs) because then when I talk to publishers and educators yeah. and whoever, it's not just coming from a place of this is my stroppy opinion. It's actually coming from a well-founded research <laughs> point yes. of view. 
so from Dr. Natasha Dr. Rashford. Um, so I'm looking at the representation of autism in picture books. There's been there's a lot of work on disability generally in picture books and children's fiction, which is really brilliant. And there's very, very little on autism. There's quite yeah. a few kind of book lists that have been suggested, but that was another thing that kind of spurred me on because a lot of those book lists are very interesting, but you can't get the books in the UK. Mm. So if you're an educator or a parent and you're desperately trying to help your five-year-old and you find this list of books and then you realise that you can't get them or they're 30 quid because you've got to import them from America, it's just it's infuriating. So that was another kind of push for me. It was like, how can we help people do this? Yeah. And support these families. Um, so it's looking at the representation and it's been so interesting going into schools um, and sharing at the moment, it's just been one picture book um, with groups of children, some are neurotypical, so it's kind of half and half, half are neurotypical and half are um, autistic, some of them ADHD as well, and quite often goes hand in hand anyway. And talking to them about, about the representation, you know, do they feel like it's realistic? Do they think it's a fair representation? Do they think there are enough books out there? Do we need more? Are we, you know, society be doing enough? And I, do you know what? These kids are so clued up. The oldest <laughs> children that I've been speaking to have been 10. And their knowledge is unbelievable, what they know and their understanding and their understanding of the importance of what these books can do if, yeah. they're, if they're right, if the books are right. Also, how damaging they are if they're wrong. I think it's that's the thing, right. isn't it? Like, we're going through that process of of a diagnosis with our oldest for mm-hmm. um, ADHD and as you know, during my <laughs> research into that for my nephew led me to think, oh, actually, maybe she's got it. Mm-hmm. And then possibly I do. <laughs> um, so so I'm currently going through filling the forms out myself as well. But I've quite enjoyed having a little mooch around the neurodiverse section in the shop when we're there for us there's tuition on the, mm. on a Thursday because it's just so nice to actually see it all in one place and yeah. actually be able to say oh this book is specifically about ADHD oh maybe I could have a maybe I should get it or have a read of it mm. so that I can understand a bit more about how her brain works yeah. or even mine um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's that's that's part of part of it isn't it really like we've gone through the whole representation of race and sexuality and all of that stuff and now we're starting to become a lot more aware of how our brains work I mean I have to say the representation of race is still rubbish when you look at the statistics Mm. really poor yeah nowhere near good enough but I do think the children's books across a whole range of diversity are really leading the way Mm. I really think they are and most of them you know they are really sensitively written even the ones where I've read them and thought, oh, I don't, no, I don't like this. But I can see that it's coming, yeah, they're all coming from a good place. They are, because um, if you're in the book world, then you will all be going, oh, yeah, there's no money in books. Like, unless you're like, you know, J.K. Rowling, mm-hmm. do you want to be here at the moment? Anyway, not. But do you know what I mean? Unless you're that kind of level of author, there's not tons of money to be made in this. And no one writes these books to go, I'm going to make millions. They're doing it from a place of love and because they care. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it's got to be right. Yeah. And it, it can't just be 
I don't know, it can't just be almost like made up. It can't be if it if it if you read it and think, wow, this is a complete stereotype, that's not what autism is. There are so many different threads of it and permutations, and it's yeah, it's got to be right. I'm gonna ask you a very in odd <laughs> question now. Excellent. What would be your advice for someone looking to write a book, mm-hmm. looking at the subject? So that it's not shit. (laughs) You've just got to do the research. You've got to put in work. And, you know, I think there's a a big push. There's an amazing author. It's one of my favourite middle grade authors. And she's just got a contract for a YA. And I'm so excited. Her name's (laughs) Elle McNichol. And she is amazing. Um, The Elle is autistic. And she very passionately believes that these books should only be own voice. So that means if you're not autistic, don't write it. Right. Now, I'm not sure that I agree with that. I see where she's coming from, because what she's saying is if you've lived the experience, you can, write, you can about write it. If you haven't lived the experience, then why should you write it? And I, do, I totally understand what she's saying, and I think she's probably saying it because so many people have cocked it up. <laughs> but um, I'm not sure that I completely agree, because I think that if you, if you do your research really well and you are prepared to have um it's called a sensitivity reader so have people read it that, that aren't your mum <laughs> right because we get given a lot of books that people especially oh my gosh over lockdown well, i've written a book in lockdown you and the rest of the world mate all <laughs> oh, right don't get me wrong some of them are really good actually some of them aren't so it should just be you know well done you've written a book and you should be proud of that doesn't mean that it should be on the bookshelf um, <laughs> and saying oh my mum read it and she loved it well you know She's going I, to. I don't know what my kids do, but I wouldn't make you read it. You know what I mean? It's just not, it's not how books work, it's not how life works. So it's a false picture. So I think if you're prepared to do a lot of back work, a lot of research, and you're prepared to be brave enough, and it is brave to share something like that with someone that is not your friend or family, and get those sensitivity readers in to actually have a look at it, then yeah. I think it's a lot easier as well, isn't it, to write and publish a book now with the help of self-publishing through places like Amazon and and things like that. Anyone can self-publish and there is nothing wrong with that at all. There really isn't. And I I don't want to sound like I'm knocking it because to be able to write anything and then be brave enough to publish it and put it out in the world, that is amazing. But you have to be realistic. And, you, you know, and if it is about something to do with autism or race or gender issues, it has to be right because otherwise you are actually doing a disservice to the people that you're trying to support and it could be more damaging than good. So this is slightly off piece, but this is one of my examples and I get quite aerated about it. <laughs> so The Boy in the Striped Pajamas yep. <clears throat> is, if you don't know, is a book and then it was made into a film. It's about a little two little boys. One is in a concentration camp and one is the son of an SS soldier. The family move next door to the concentration camp because his dad's kind of in charge of it and these two little boys become friends. Now, <laughs> my issue with it is, is it's romanticised nonsense. Yeah. It's beautifully written. He is an amazing author in terms of his, his style, his craft, but... That book gets used, it gets used in schools a lot, and I understand why, although there's stuff out there that's far better. Um, but it also gets used, unfortunately, by Holocaust deniers who say 
this is a work of fiction, therefore the Holocaust is a work of fiction. Now, oh. for a lot of people listening to this, you're going to be like, no way, Natasha, that doesn't happen. I can assure you, as a Jew who's been on the end of anti-Semitism, it 100% does happen. It happens a lot. If you Google it, Boy in the Striped Pajamas, Holocaust denial, there will be loads. So that's my issue. Is it, it can't, That book came from a good place. Yeah. It came well-meaning. It was a beautiful story of friendship and the horrors of war and blah, 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 and all of that. But actually, it's incredibly damaging. And it's the same if you're writing about anything issues-based. So, but a really good example, Lisa Thompson, who is the most wonderful author ever, <laughs> all of her characters, she writes middle grade, I think all, pretty much all of her books have got some kind of issues based, but my goodness, does Lisa do the back work. Yeah. She does so much research, it's unbelievable. And so in her first book, um, which is one of June's favourite books ever, called Goldfish Boy, it's about a little boy called Matthew who's got OCD. Yeah. She did so much research. She has got it just, it's just right. You don't read it and go, oh, come on. You read it and go, God, that poor kid. But not in a, oh, I feel really sad for him kind of way, because it's a brilliant story. And she's really thought about the representation. Yeah. And she's done it beautifully. So she's got to work in. That's all she's got to the work in, really. <laughs> I would never write this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> about to write a dissertation well, to get you a dumpster. I've got 80,000 words. I don't remember that. No one in real life has to ever read it. They can just go, I'm not going to write down. But like my master's one, it's just on the shelf covering, covered in dust. Oh, God. Open it. It just sits there. I have a good read next time I around. <laughs> she needs to have a bit of a snooze. <laughs> awesome, great. Oh, I didn't even write a dissertation for my degree. I managed to get around it by writing 10 1,000 no, word I essays. I didn't actually dissertate for a degree, but I, have, I can't remember how long my master's time was, but I mean, nowhere near as long as she is a PhD. And that was all about pictures and pic- analysing pictures and picture books. Oh, there you go. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so now we know um, more about, you know, representation of neurodiversity and how not to write a shit book. <laughs> Um, tell me about your top five authors. <laughs> this question, quite frankly, is barbaric. Right, I would just like to say, so I've made a list. Yeah, I have made a list, but I have. There aren't five books, but there are five authors. Oh, I know. When you got round, I know. Yeah. So <laughs> my first one is Elle McNichol, who I've already mentioned. So her first book, Behind the Spark, is one of my favourite middle grade books of all time. And it's about um, a little girl. She lives in a village in Scotland. She's autistic. And she realises, she finds out that witches had been um, killed in her village, which happened all over the UK during that time. And there's this moment in the book that genuinely made me cry (laughs) when she realises that she would have probably been tried as a witch. Um. Because they're not, you know, there weren't witches flying around with broomsticks. They no. were they were just different. They were women that were just different, that were sensitive, that understood nature, that maybe had a hyper-focus about a particular thing. And it's just so powerful. And all of Elle's books are like that. They're just stunning. So a kind of spark, um, show us who you are, like a charm, like a curse. They all they're just her writing is just stunning. It's amazing. And yes, she's just about to publish a, a YA. 
And um, I can't wait. <laughs> I think it's going to be quite saucy. I think it's going to be on, um, yeah, I think it's going to be the, that edge of oh. I mean. I might not be, it's just conjecture, but knowing what Elle's like, I'm like, yes, bring it. Can't wait. Um, so she's the first one. Second one, they're really interesting. So there's a girl called Libby Scott. I don't actually know how old Libby is now. I think she must be about 16 or 17 by now. So she is autistic and she keeps um, a diary. And um, she has got together with Rebecca Westlake, who is an author. And they have fictionalised her diary. So uh, the first one was called Can You See Me? So there's, there's three in the series now. So they're all based on her life. Yeah. Um, so pretty much pretty much everything that happens in the books is something that has happened to Libby. And it's just so powerful. And it's great as well because it's a really feisty female character with autism. Nice. And it talks a lot about her masking, a lot about just like everyday stuff that loads of people have to go through through the friendships and school and all of that. And they're just they're just fabulous, those. Um other end. Leo on the Octopus. So that, this is the picture book that I'm using um, for my PhD at the moment. It's by Isabella Marinoff and illustrated by Chris Mitchell. And it's all about a little boy called Leo, who is autistic. It tells you that on the back of the book, that he's Asperger's. And it's just, it's joyful because this is why this book works. He doesn't need to be rescued or saved. Yeah. There's no, oh, poor Leo. You feel for him. There's empathy. Um right at the beginning of the book it says that he find, he feels like an alien he feels like the world is too loud and too bright for him sometimes he hides in his cardboard box and reads and i was like oh my god i should have been friends with this boy <laughs> um and it, i can just watch away because it's got some twists and turns basically he made pretty much he makes friends with a massive octopus at the aquarium but it's almost believable because she doesn't talk it's, there's no magic in it yeah. it's just that connection um and then he ends up making friends with another little boy that's at the aquarium so it's a really beautiful story about how to form friendships really yeah but also about him overcoming some challenges but not changing who he is and that's what makes the book with autistic characters valid you shouldn't have to change who you are no and your characteristics and the way you behave to make friends you just need to find your tribe and that's what happens in the only octopus he finds a lovely little boy it's quite sensitive and quiet and likes to listen and likes to find things out. And it's lovely. I just, oh my God. I, I, forgot, <laughs> I must have read it, I don't think I'm exaggerating, about 100 times now. And you still I, love it. I still love it. I absolutely <laughs> just, I adore it. It's such a good book. It's beautifully illustrated by Chris Dixon as well. It's beautiful. Yes, I should have brought it with me to show you. It's really lovely. So that one. Um, then there are two books. <laughs> but the same author though so by a guy called David Rimei and we were very lucky because he came to visit the shop I don't think it was last year it might have been the year before I can't remember it's been blurry isn't it the last few years like <laughs> when did what happened um, and there's, so, there's one called I Go Quiet and then the second one is called I Get Loud so David's really interesting because he's actually a musician and a performer um, he looks like a rock star ladies <laughs> lovely anyway um, sorry Jim i and the books are, again, it's a, it's a female protagonist, which is really cool. Um, it never says she's autistic, but she is. Yeah. And she and she is based loosely on David's daughter, who is autistic. And a, a lot of it is to do with masking. So, again, it's very clever because she physically wears, like, this mouse mask and comes off. It's quite weird. It's a bit out there. It's not for really little ones. It feels quite... It's not a graphic novel, 
but it almost is. There's a lot of illustration in it and it's stunning. It's quite dark. It's quite, it reminds me a little bit of Coraline. Oh, okay. Not in the illustration style, but just that edge of like, oh, it's a little bit creepy. It's a bit weird. As am I. And it's <laughs> brilliant. It's so good. So in the first one, it's all about how she kind of struggles to find her voice. And when things close in on her, she just kind of introverts and she yeah. becomes very quiet. And then in the second one, it's like when she, I get loud, when she's finally like, oh, this, I'm going to stand up for myself a little bit. It's just, they're, stunt, they're works of art. You could just pour over, the, as if it was an adult, you could just pour over the illustrations yeah. for hours. They're just stunning. So I love that. And then the last one, because you're a horrible lady. <laughs> um, another author called Rose Robbins. She writes picture books. She's written loads. Yeah. So um, there's one called Loud, which is all about a little girl who is blind. Um, and she struggles in school because I, I would say it doesn't again, it doesn't overtly say it, but I would say if you read it, you go, Oh, ADHD. Yeah. Um, she's real fidget widget, she touches people's hair and stuff like that. She, she she finds social cues tricky. Um and but what's lovely about it is that she's kind of you get the impression from like almost like the backstory that this little girl in the story has always struggled with that and always ends up getting sent like off to the quiet room or whatever. And and she hates it. Yeah. But actually what happens is she ends up joining and she ends up creating a school band. Ah. And she uses her voice. She channels. So again, she's not changing her behavior. No. But she's using her skill set, which is awesome, to write this song and to perform because that's what it's just great. That's cool. Um, but it's for really, I mean, it's for really little ones. Rose's books are really beautiful. They're interesting because they're not, um, they're all animals. Um, I don't know what the little girl is exactly in Loud. She's blue. <laughs> I don't know what she is, but it is really it's cool. And, she, and then there's two others. There's Talking Is Not My Thing and Me and My Sister. And they're kind of like little yellow foxy things. The illustration is really cool as well. They're quite big and blocky and chunky. Yeah. Um, and... The little girl in that is pre-verbal. So that's really cool as well. But you do still, she still has agency. She still has a voice because you see her thought bubbles. Oh, okay. And it shows how she interacts with her brother and her grandma. And she uses, it's a really good example of still being able to communicate. Because I say, she's got these thought bubbles. Her family really get her. And she uses um, like cards to communicate and stuff like that. And she... You know, she had some issues, things that happened in the book, as in all good stories, something has to go wrong for it to then go right. Yeah. So those things happen. But again, it's not kind of like, oh, it's because she's autistic, poor thing. It's like, well, yeah, she's lost her bunny rabbit. She's devastated. Of course she's going to be upset because any (laughs) five-year-old would be. Yeah. So that's what's clever about them is that any child would read that story and go, yeah, no, I'd go out into the garden at night and look for it too. Do you know, it's that, it's clever. Yeah. Um, but that's the other big thing for me is these these characters have to have their own voice, however that manifests, and they have to have agency. They have to drive their own story. They shouldn't be there to be rescued and for people to just feel sorry for. No. That, that is not good representation. That's like fairy tales, and that's part of my PhD that I put in there. You know, fairy tales of old, you had characters that were disabled and they'd be there to either be saved yeah. over there because they've done something terrible and that was their punishment no autism and adhd are not punishments they're things to be celebrated and it's about society making those adjustments to go do you know what you fucking rock you're amazing <laughs> not oh well, you don't quite fit into what 
what we want you're making you're not making my life easy yeah too bad change I think that's the other thing is that you know I could run about that for hours yeah but going through the whole process with Asta as well at the moment is interesting because obviously she's had to be there for some of it Mm -hmm. and so trying to explain to her what ADHD is the possibility that she has it and how it's actually not a bad thing there's so many benefits Mm. that come with it that are you know superpowers and and that's really helped you know explaining it in that way changing the narrative from it being a negative from having those negative connotations into this you know positive you know you're a bubbly outgoing person you really love talking to people you make friends everywhere you go but you do have a you can run your mouth every (laughs) (laughs) but then I think a lot of those things are just things that human beings have to learn anyway yeah and that's and that's fine. So and I think that's kind of that can be a grey area as well because there's some things I don't know. You could have say like for example Holly when she was small, she would kill me for this point, but it was very funny. Um we were on holiday and we were in a swimming pool and she could swim. She was like, I don't know, six or something. She just swam away and I was like, oh. Where is she? Went and found her, and this poor guy, <laughs> kind of pinned <laughs> with no escape. And she was just talking at him, <laughs> and the time, and like it was brilliant because she's got no fear. She's like, yeah, and she's still like that now. She's like, she is a fake it till you make it. She was she's one of those kids that would go in and go, yeah, I can do that, and in her head think. Oh, I don't think I can do that, but I'm going to make it up until I can. Yeah. And that's awesome about her. But at the same time, she's had to learn that sometimes you have to rein that in a little bit. And you do. And that's not just her autism. That's just, you know, the society that we live in is not always fair, but you do have to look at kind of the wider picture. And you don't want people, you don't want people to feel uncomfortable. And this poor guy in the swimming pool, let me tell you. <laughs> He, he was found uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, he's in the swimming trunks. So he's getting like talked at by a six year old and wouldn't shut up. probably like, it's kind of asking the question. Okay. So, you know, and some, yeah, some of that is autism. That, that's true of anything, isn't it? When you're like teaching your kids how to interact with other people, there have to be, still be boundaries, even if there's an underlying reason for some of their behaviours. I think as long as you don't stifle it too much, I think it's brilliant that she's so brave. I've never been that brave. I still hate, you know, I talk to people all the time. That's all I ever do. Um, And there's some situations which don't faze me. So if I had to stand, when I was behaving sports teacher, I could stand up in front of 100 head teachers and talk. That's fine. But if you ask me, I don't know, I had to go and pick up the car last night yeah. on my own at Quick Fit. And um, I felt physically quite ill because there were four mechanics. It was right at the end of the night and there were four mechanics who were sitting there. I mean, they would love me, don't get me wrong, but I felt really uncomfortable with yeah. that. Whereas Hollywood have been like, well, I can care. Come to put my car up. You've just done a job for me, whatever. So, you know. It's really funny that you say that because, like, Asta, again, you know, is yeah. like that she will go up and she will speak to anyone she she is she has that yeah um and and there's usually like 
I will look at a task and usually be like, oh, I could do that, you know, or yeah. I'll, I'll give it a try. Why not? I, yeah, sure, well, I could nice. do that. But which has sometimes got me into a bit of a pickle at work every now and again, where I've had to, <laughs> you know, admit that I spent three hours on YouTube trying to work out how to do the thing. Um, but I now know how to reseal a bath and grout a floor. So there you go. Um, <laughs> but, but books like, especially like the last one that you mentioned as well, I think help with that understanding of some children who do have disabilities like that especially when it comes to interacting with neurotypical children as well Mm -hmm. so my friend's son um suffers from verbal dyspraxia and so originally they thought he was you know just autistic Mm -hmm. um but it turned out that actually he totally understood absolutely everything everyone was saying to him and he was flipping amazing at communicating as well you know he could he could literally point and sign and yeah. sign language he picked up really quickly and so we can have whole conversations without him having to even say a word yeah. <laughs> he can ask clearly for what he wants we all understood what he wanted and what yeah. he needed and so there was some discussion as well about whether that made him lazy um and then it wasn't until no. he went for <laughs> a proper assessment for autism that they discovered that actually he had verbal dyspraxia and it wasn't that he you know couldn't understand what was being said because he could it was that he couldn't get the words in the right way to come out and so he's been going through all this speech therapy and everything as well for that but books like that for his peers as well would be absolutely amazing to help for their understanding of his situation yeah, yeah. because he's no different from anyone else no. like I think that's, that's the two sides it's one side for these books is that an autistic child or any kind of neurodiversity you've got you look at that book and you go oh my god that's amazing it's just make you feel good like yeah that's that's me yeah or whatever but the other side of it is a neurotypical child can go oh I'd never I'd never thought about how that might feel yeah not to make them feel bad, but just that understanding. No, 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 yeah. And picture book, but well, all books do that. That's why we read. That's why people write is to gain understanding of the world, isn't it? That's, yeah. That's why books still work and are so powerful. And if we can get it right from when they're really young, then we're not. Hopefully, we'll get to a point where we don't have adults who still say things like, "Well, everyone's a bit autistic, aren't they?" <gasps> no. <laughs> What's that? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, but you still hear it. I hear it on oh, a yeah. regular basis. <laughs> Everyone's going to say, no. So these kind of books, it's about, it shouldn't be overly didactic. You don't want, I don't think you should ever read a book to a child that is like a real obvious, this is a moral of this story is kind of situation, like Aesop's Fables. Yeah. But if it helps them build some understanding and some empathy, then that's great. But even if that helps like a neurodiverse child say, well, if you want to know more about the way my brain works, this really? book yeah. is it. Yeah. That's awesome. Having yeah. that representation, not just for them to be able to see themselves in the world around them yeah. <laughs> in those books, but equally to be able to point their friends in the right direction if they yeah. wanted to learn more about the way they work. Yeah. Which exactly. is so cool. Is. And looks cool. They do. They really do. I love living in a book when I can. (laughs) 
but anyway thank you so much for joining me today Welcome and to talking to me more about this um but yeah if you want to know more about any of thing in this you know feel free to email me at mumsworkingchaos at gmail.com or head over to the chicken and frog website which is all the w's chicken and frog.co.uk and we're always happy to have a chat anything to do with books autism or whatever it's always a safe space sofa is there yes and you can follow us at mums working chaos on instagram and also the chicken and frog on instagram yes. as well if you enjoyed this episode of mum's work and chaos please make sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting channel you're listening on at the moment or if you'd like to get involved feel free to email me at mumsworkandchaos at gmail.com or follow us on instagram at mumsworkandchaos see you then